Welcome to the Measuring What Matters podcast. Measuring What Matters is an independent community forum for nurturing dialogue and critical conversations associated with community performance metrics. Join me, Marshall McCallum, as I interview individuals entrenched in change-making in Calgary. Our guests are passionate about community prosperity, well-being, and how to measure it. Measuring What Matters is a project of the CityX Lab, hosted and powered by the Institute for Community Prosperity at Mount Royal University. For more information on the project, visit measuringwhatmatters.ca. Uh, today on the show, we're talking to to Mr. James Scotch. He's uh, a director of the Institute for Community Prosperity at Mount Royal University. Uh, and we're going to be talking about uh, different prosperity measurements in Calgary, as well as the Measuring What Matters project itself. It's a, a pleasure of mine to have you on the show. I'm, I'm so grateful uh, that you take the time out of your busy day to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure to join you, Marshall. Thanks for doing this. First off... Um, James, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your connection to uh, measuring prosperity? Sure. Well, I'm the director of the Institute for Community Prosperity at Mount Royal University. Uh, and at the Institute, um, we focus on uh, the social economy. We focus on a rich co-curricular and community-focused learning experience. Uh, so for both undergrad students and for the broader community um, that really dig into questions of community well-being and community transformation. And so we've often been challenged to articulate, well, what, what do you mean by community prosperity? Um, and so we, we really refer, uh, by using that term community prosperity, we refer to the, all the conditions necessary for human potential to flourish that exist in a community. So those are cultural, economic, social, environmental, or ecological, uh, and so it's it's a really kind of a 360 degree focus on um, the well-being, the vitality, the sustainability of a community. I couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know that you're deeply involved with the Measuring What Matters project. Um, there are also a lot of other organizations that have been measuring uh, prosperity or measuring uh, well-being in different manners in Calgary and further abroad. Uh, can you tell me why? measuring what what matters matters yeah sure so there's sort of three global reasons at least three that I that that are kind of in, informing or, or underpinning why we're why we're doing this and why we're doing this now um, and so one of them is just um, we have um, for for many decades um, done a really good job at measuring things we can count. And that generally, more often than not, falls into the realm of economic measures or things that can be measured with a dollar figure. So, you know, low-hanging fruit includes things like unemployment rates or um, office vacancy rates or housing prices. Um, economic growth, GDP, is a very common measure that, that's used both at a national level and, and then at more regional levels where, where we look at, say, GDP per capita, for example. So we've been measuring those kinds of things for a very long time as a society and doing it well. And it gives us um, one, one part of the picture of of how we're doing as a, as a city and as a community. But of course, um, that's only one dimension. It's only the economic prosperity piece. And it may not even be that comprehensive uh, or, or that current. Um, 
And so there have been many attempts over the years uh, internationally and even at a national level to try and grapple with this. What are we, how do we actually get a, a clearer picture or more nuanced picture of, of how, um, how cities or societies are, are performing. And so we've had attempts um, like Sustainable Cities State of Our City Report, which looks at sustainability um, and environmental performance measures. Uh, we've had vital signs through Community Foundations Canada and the, and the Calgary Foundation, um, looking at a whole range of, of measures that go beyond economic. Um, and, and so that's one kind of reason for thinking about measuring uh, uh, measuring differently. The second one is that um, we're in a period of tremendous social change and permanent um, structural change of many of the institutions in our society uh, that are either underway or that we are on the eve of uh, witnessing. And so, you know, you'd have to go back to probably the late 1960s um, or maybe even uh, before that, to um, find a period in in global society where change, social change, is happening as rapidly and as profoundly as it is now, um, and so in a sense, this is a once in a not just once in a generation, but once in a two or three generation uh, opportunity to rethink some of the fundamental assumptions we have about what's important in the world. We we are facing an existential crisis as a planet. We've gone through. Uh, you know, a a, um, a year and a half uh, pandemic, global pandemic. Um, but quite honestly, that's just a warm up um, for the climate crisis that is to come. We are in the midst of a biodiversity crisis, the the sixth great extinction event uh, in the Earth's history. We are um, looking at a, a massive, probably multi-century uh, problem of plastics in the oceans. Um, and, and we are um, realizing we're having an awakening um, around issues of racial inequity. Um, we are at the cusp of learning about um, realizing how just how ageist uh, and ableist our society is. Um, and, and ageism is a particular problem in Canada. And of course, um, underlying the very identity and the very creation of our country uh, and our city is um, is a growing realization of the fact that all of our prosperity, whether it's economic or other forms of prosperity, is built not merely on signing treaties with indigenous uh, and original inhabitants, um, but that um, there has been a whole history of sidelining, of systemic exclusion, um, and 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 forced assimilation and frankly cultural genocide um, that we're realizing uh, is the story of our country, is the story of our province, is the story of our city, and um, so as Canadians we are waking up to that and going through. I still think the early stages of the kind of process that, for example, Germany has had to go through in acknowledging and processing the Holocaust. Um, so that 
requires a different way of thinking about everything that matters in in our society. And then finally, you know, the third thing is Calgary specific. Calgary is a city that um, for the last many decades, going back to say the 40s or 50s, was a economy that was fueled by um, by um, by carbon-based fossil fuels um, that the world is is uh, eager to um, reduce its dependency on um, and move away from and and that has created a kind of again a kind of existential uh, crisis in Calgary about um, how we think of ourselves, um, what kind of city we are, what fuels uh, our identity, our prosperity, and what will that look like in the next decade or the next two or three decades. And so all of those three dynamics are conspiring to um, shake us to our core and really revisit um, uh, all of the ways in which we're understanding success and understanding progress. And what's your personal connection to measurement? Like, why, why does this project matter to you? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I you'll talk to other people in your podcast series that are uh, maybe a little more interested in the measurement side. I'm actually more interested in the what matters part of the measuring what matters equation. Um, and 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 here's where I think you know we've we've done a pretty good job, like I say, of of measuring a lot of things that are easy to measure uh, or relatively easy to measure, including beyond economic measures. Um, uh, and and some of the tougher pieces are you know it's it's a bit of a cliche, but it 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 is often the case that what really matters is actually really hard to measure. Um, and so, for example, I'll give you an example. Um, does does Calgary feel like home? Um, is there a sense of belonging? Uh, do people feel like they belong here? Um, importantly, do indigenous um, uh, do indigenous people within Treaty Seven? Um, you know, Calgary is embedded in Treaty Seven, and it, it sure as as heck ought to feel like home. But does it? And if it doesn't. That's a big problem. But how do we actually measure that? How do we actually understand whether Calgary is is welcoming, whether it, it is a place where you feel a sense of belonging? Um, what about neighborliness? Um, there are proxies for measuring this kind of thing that we're certainly looking into with this project, but, but it's always a challenge. Um, uh, and so the, getting a better handle on, on the what matters piece, um, I think is a really interesting piece. Part of this is going to be, you know, and and I think this is true of all indicator projects. To some extent, you'll always be chasing the end of a rainbow. There's no perfect, you know, magic 40 or magic 50 indicators that will give you a full 360 degree view that is accurate and reliable and truly paints uh, uh, the the best picture. Any kind of, anytime you measure, you're, you're abstracting, right? So anytime you're, when you look at a map, um, the map can only contain what the map can contain without getting overly confusing and detailed and, and overwhelming. And so the only true representation of reality itself is, is reality. Um, and so any, any time we try to measure something, um, we're, we're abstracting, we're, we're, we're making a series of choices about what's important and what matters. Um, and so 
choosing the measurement means getting getting as 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 right as possible or as current or contemporary as possible the what matters piece right and you know it's 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 like i say you're never going to um you're never going to arrive at something that everyone agrees on all the time well, especially like getting everyone on the same page like as far as like comparability goes uh, as calgary or as one organization could decide to measure uh, how uh, the well-being of an elderly uh, Calgarian is in their own home and if they're active or not, like how much time to get out of the day, um, getting out of their house, but maybe Edmonton wants to measure that differently. Or maybe, you know, Saskatchewan has a different measurement of what they think is appropriate. You know, and so I, I guess for my end of things with measuring what matters, a lot of it's just kind of trying to standardize that, right? But the hard thing is putting a number on it, you know, like putting a number on something that's subjective. How do you think it's possible to go ahead and get a standardized number formula? Well, you know, I think I think our big lesson early on in this project is um, the allure of getting the standardization, the allure of, you know, yeah, can we compare Calgary and Edmonton or Calgary and Regina? Um, that's, that has a strong allure, uh, and there is certainly value to that. Um, but uh, I think it's at least as important to actually surface and engender a public conversation about all of this stuff. Um, because I think what you're after at the end of the day is a public embrace and a public appreciation of, of measuring what matters, of measuring beyond those standard kind of uh, garden variety economic measures. Um, and so there are many paths to getting that. Um, one path would be, you know, seeking out a really solid standardized model that multiple cities buy into for a long time and it's well-funded, securely funded, et cetera, et cetera. And that would be in many ways a gold standard. Um, uh, it would almost certainly involve public government at multiple levels uh, to buy into. Um, but again, there's a kind of chasing the end of a rainbow aspect to that. So we realized as we've dug into this that, first of all, there's already... Um, really interesting, robust, um, useful uh, measurement tools and indicator projects that are already in existence and and already um, uh, um, looking looking at some of these questions. Maybe not 360 in all cases, but doing a really amazing job of measuring um, cultural markers or measuring sustainability markers. And so, but a lot of these uh, initiatives are, are really low profile um, and, and may only have a niche audience. And so can we amplify awareness of these various attempts? Can we help provide a forum where people can actually discuss and debate and um, and and dig into and 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 um, and even question uh, so so can we even make the data available not just the indicator itself because people may say well you made a lot of assumptions and how you did that let's let me see the can you give us access to the raw data because I want to play with it and do something else with it so we should be doing that and we should be encouraging um, and facilitating a plurality of tools and perspectives um, which which will at the end of the day um, 
I think get us further along in terms of a public embrace of of knowing that we need to think differently about what matters than simply saying, you know what, it's our responsibility to come up with the best, the coolest community prosperity indicator project. Um, you know, maybe over time, we might find ourselves heading in that direction more boldly. Um, but I, I think that would be, um, it would be foolish to rush in with a brand new indicators project when all the evidence suggests every other indicators project has a short shelf life, has low public visibility. And, um, and so why would we think that we could do it any better? So then there's definitely got to be a connection there between low public visibility and the low shelf life, right? Like really it goes back to that diversity, right? If, uh, if I think that something is important to measure, are you going to think it's the same important thing to measure? And is somebody down the street from me going to think that that's important to measure? And if those other individuals never get a chance to look at what we're measuring and really understand that, then are we being holistic? You know, how, how do we actually measure the well-being of Calgary if all Calgarians don't, you know, don't have an, uh, a word in edgewise to, see, to say what they think is important mm. or what isn't important or what is being measured or not? Yeah, and this is where, you know, I, I wouldn't be confident just relying on, um, you know, we, we've, we've been able to convene quite a number of really... Um, uh, really plugged in community organizations with a broad community ambit um, uh, that, that, ha- that, you know, together you look at the group and go, wow, okay. If this group isn't plugged into what's going on to the community, I don't, I don't know who is. And yet, you know, we look around the table and realize, well, we're not as diverse as we could be. We're not as diverse as Calgary, the community is. So we're not fully reflective of that diversity, either from a racial or cultural or age um, or ability lens. Um, and then and then we start to realize, yeah, there's a lot of, when we actually look at these measures that are already off the shelf, um, how many of them actually dig into um, indigenous measures of prosperity or measures of, of well-being that are important to indigenous peoples? Very few, and only at the most facile kinds of levels. And often they're quite pathologizing. And so, yeah, we're failing on that front utterly to really understand what what matters for Indigenous people um, in a Calgary or in a Treaty 7 context. Um, and, and you can, you know, I, I think that that experience would be reflected to varying degrees across many different kinds of populations. So as as great as you know, uh, as great as the group that 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 we've been able to attract to this project and pull together is, we're still not reflective of what Calgary really is. That's where the forum comes into play, right? Why it's so important to have that community engagement and to get different voices involved. Because I think Calgary is one of the most diverse cities in Canada, isn't it? Like it's somewhere in the top. It is. Five I think cities. it's yeah. I think it's number three actually after um, after Toronto and Vancouver, I believe, or Toronto and Montreal. But it's 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 up there for sure. So now, in your mind, how do we get people involved? Like it's, it's obviously, it's got to be a, an issue of people understanding what we're doing, like understanding the idea of measurement. Um, and I, I think there's, there's got to be a, some sort of like a, a campaign to have people realize that we're even doing this, that this is important. 
but like how else, like in your mind, how do we get more people involved with this? How do we grow the project so that it is resilient and that it, it has a longer shelf life than say like five or 10 years? Yeah, this is where I think it's really important. I mean, you know, having a podcast helps <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, uh, this is where we need to really get creative and, and I'm not sure I know the answer to that question yet. I mean, obviously you want a web presence, you want uh, multiple abilities to, um, to involve people through conversations. So we have a series of conversations with, with, with sort of subgroups or subdomains. And we've already had a couple of really interesting conversations, one with um, uh, um, Calgarians who are, who are kind of very part of the, the active um, uh, realm. So sport, sports organizations and recreation entities, um, as well as uh, uh, Calgarians um, who are very active um, with respect to the disability movement and, and, um, and and looking at accessibility and and uh, and 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 uh, uh, enhanced ability um, as 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 really important markers of community prosperity, and so we've had two great discussions uh, already on those kind of subdomains. But even there, we're just scratching the surface. So we look forward to more of these discussions. We also have a parallel project um, digging into indigenous measures of prosperity and having those conversations about what matters to um, to indigenous people in Treaty 7 um, uh, and in Calgary. And and so those are more active ways where, where we're kind of reaching out. We will have as well in the fall, um, uh, a larger gathering, um, uh, higher profile gathering. Um, but, but there's other things that we haven't yet dug into. We don't yet have a social media strategy. We don't yet, we haven't, we haven't started blogging or writing op-eds on this yet. And I think all of those tools will be necessary to start to uh, build a sense of buzz and, and conversation around this stuff. Do do other measurement platforms like do other dashboards have things like that like the social media presence? I don't think I've ever come across one. Yeah, it's a good. I mean, certainly at a global level, there's some that are a little better resourced. You know, so the 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 World Happiness Report, for example, when that comes out, there's a bit of a splash and and maybe some webinars and 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 a press release and so on. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, and and the more local you get, the tougher it is. Um, I, uh, there are projects out there. One of the ones that, that I know, um, uh, uh, you or others in the project have surfaced is the Boston indicators project, which is run by the Boston community foundation, um, behind the scenes it's powered by them. Um, but that essentially looks looks to me to be somewhat close to what we're trying to do here, which is, um, you know, when when a report comes out that's evaluating Boston as I don't know the the most entrepreneurial city in the U.S. or uh, the seventeenth most livable city or the thirtieth uh, most affordable city or whatever the case may be, they kind of process it. They 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 help amplify that report and draw attention to it, but they also comment on it. Um, so it's a kind of curation role as well as a kind of critical role to say. Um, by the way, this report has come out. It's talked about Boston in this context, or maybe the U.S. more broadly has been ranked vis-a-vis other countries. So we're going to talk a little bit about it, um, uh, provide some context, um, 
how how interesting is it how credible is it uh does it contradict other reports and 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 indicators uh why might that be um so i i think that's a pretty cool cool project and a pretty cool precedent um to learn from yeah i've always found it really interesting um that there are specific rankings for these things, right? Like, because a lot of these um, kind of projects that have come out and a lot of these different um, uh, indicators or indexes uh, come out with one specific number that says, like, as exam- as an example there, uh, Calgary being the third most diverse city in Canada, but it's, do they really tell you why, right? Like, do, do they d- dig deep into that, right? Like, is the data available there? And if people looked at it, you know, is it digestible for them to look at and discern whether or not they agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen reports um, suggest that Calgary is um, among the least entrepreneurial large cities in Canada. <laughs> On the other hand, it has a reputation for being quite quite entrepreneurial. So what, what's going on? What's, what's being measured that might be different than what people expect or imagine or experience in real life um and and you know let's dig into that let's have a closer look under the hood as to what are the assumptions behind those projects similarly um you know there's there's multiple happiness reports that are out there at a global level and in some of them canada ranks us you know quite well um some the you know that the, the usual suspects the nordics typically are at the top um places like finland and sweden and denmark um but uh, on other happiness indicators we actually don't do well and it depends on what you include right so um you know canada in terms of how well we uh, address food security oh we're, we're actually really poor from a global standpoint um, we have a million canadians who are regularly food insecure uh, who regularly either access food banks or food hamper programs or school lunch programs um, you know that's appalling for an otherwise developed nation mm-hmm. um, we have we perform we underperform on um, child welfare and and child well-being we underperform on housing and affordability and housing access um you know we have a very interesting quirk in our country that where um even renters are, are kind of demonized and marginalized um you know most you go to a country like austria that no one would ever mistake for being a country that is um at all sketchy and the vast majority of people in austria especially in vienna one of the world's most beautiful cities, our renters, our tenants. And yet, you know, in a place like Calgary, um, there's a really anti-tenant, anti-renter bias um, that that is almost kind of cartoonish in, in its manifestation and it's broadly shared. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of things that we can be smug about in Canada and pat ourselves on the back for. Um, but there's an awful lot of things that we actually underperform and, and not just a little bit. Um, there's one happiness indi- indicator that I came across that has Canada ranked 85th uh, in the globe. So, you know, I, I think it, the, the real value to an independent forum talking about indicators is that um, we maybe can be a little less smug and a little more um, critical about how we're actually performing. Mm-hmm. 
One of the things that I've found really fascinating with uh, a lot of those small number uh, indicators where everything kind of pyramids up is how they weight the different aspects of things. And often um, economy aspects like things like GDP or GNP are weighted so heavily, right? Which is why a, a lot of first world countries are often doing much better than third world countries mm -hmm. or you know, other, other uh, countries around the globe um, that might have different um, aspects as far as um, how they feel in their community, right? Like if they feel like they belong there or um, if they're happy with their day-to-day -day life. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you look at, uh, say, a country like Costa Rica, um, who that may not perform quite as well as the Europeans and, and, and the North Americans on, in terms of some of those conventional economic measures. Um, but, wow, are people happy? Uh, or, or, or it certainly seems when you look at a lot of the indicator projects, um, mm. there's a really astounding quality of life. Um, you know, what about uh, how, how easy is it to access medical care? And, you know, what's the say ratio of doctors per capita? So, you know, let's say you're measuring that. Well, you look at a country like Cuba and okay, let's, as long as you ignore the human rights side, as long as you ignore a bunch of things, you go, oh, well, well it must be a high quality of life in Cuba. If you're really concerned about access to uh, medical expertise and quality of care. Uh, but on the other hand, if you're interested in free speech and and freedom of assembly and and um, and and being able to have a, a broad um, pluralistic um, society that's free and open, no, they're not going to perform so well. So um, y'all, and it's important to note, like it, this, these are good examples of how the measure you choose is a subjective choice. So. Although um, there's a kind of, um, an there's an aesthetic of objectivity to numbers and to measurement, but um, you have to realize that the, the, what you choose to measure, when you choose to measure it, what you leave out, what are the assumptions that underpin that, are all choices that are subjective and that actually often build in all kinds of cognitive and other biases. Um, so there is no, there is no God's eye universal truth perspective. And I know that maybe that may be difficult for people to hear. And I know in Calgary, you know, a lot of the decision makers in Calgary, whether it's in civil society or in business or in the public sector, um, you know, they come from fields that are quite numbers oriented. You know, um, there's a lot of geologists and engineers and, and lawyers and accountants. And, uh, and the real, and you know, they're very, they're attracted to numbers and they're attracted to stories told by numbers, um, in a way that, that elevates, uh, the credibility of the information provided perhaps too much, um, without sometimes acknowledging that there's subjectivity that underlies the, the very choice of that. And so, um, that the, the comparative distrust of narrative, um, or say of oral storytelling, uh, is something we're going to have to get over as a society and realize that to paint an accurate picture of the world, um, we need both. We need both storytelling and measurement. So if, if you were in a position where money was absolutely no object and you could talk to any, every individual in Calgary or, or however you would want to do it, how would you go about creating the perfect or optimal measuring system? Like, how would you kind of uh, bring together 
individual views in a way that would be holistic of um, of what really matters. Oh wow, that's a that's a great <laughs> yeah. question, but a tough question. You know, I don't. Um, I'm going to kind of fumble at the answer. I mean, there's certain structural things that would be really helpful. Um, so in much the same way that um, Statistics Canada or Elections Canada are both federal crown agencies that are where there's a firewall from cabinet interference, or we assume there is, I'm assuming there is, um, uh, that they can operate independently, but they are, but they have a public mandated ambit. Um, we, that could be very useful to the municipal level so that we have a, a municipally funded or provincially funded um, uh, resource that is, um, that, that sticks around that we know has some longevity that has the, um, the public heft and reach of the city of Calgary and can rely on the city of Calgary, meaning the municipalities, um, uh, resources and reach, um, but is actually independent of council and is independent of the, the provincial cabinet. So it, it could operate independently. It could be governed um, uh, in a co-managed way where yes, you could have um, some municipal councillors and, and or potentially public servants, uh, civil servants on, on the governing body, but you'd also have civil society. And I, and I mean civil society in its broadest sense, including nonprofit entities, commercial entities, grassroots, entities and so on. Um, that as a kind of governance structural piece would be great. And then it has to be well-resourced on a multi-year basis. It should also, whatever it produces should be on an open accessible platform. It should be expandable or changeable over time. So the things we think are important to measure, you know, in 2021 um, may not be in 2041. And it should be, have that um, adaptability built into it. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and it should, it should conform to the criteria that we talk about at our early stage in measuring what matters, which is, uh, you know, does it include data that is comparable, longitudinal, rigorous, verifiable, um, and, and, and it should, I mean, in a perfect world as well, not all of the indicators will actually meet that bar. Because again, some things that are ethically important to um, uh, to discover um, ultimately may be ex exceedingly difficult to measure with numbers or only clumsily measure with numbers. So it has to be big enough to, yes, have some of those conventional and unconventional number-based measures, but a lot of context setting and um, and enough room for um, for storytelling and narrative to complement the numbers, uh, something along those lines. Yeah, that's why the, like having a third party go out and do the measurement seems to be so important, right? Because they, they have that level of objectivity where like they, they don't have an invested interest in what is actually the outcome of the measurement. Right. I, I, and I, I think it's okay for public entities. I mean, I, it, not only okay, but I think it's important for public entities, public government to measure just so long as that the way in which they did that, the methodology they used 
um, uh, and 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 the raw data itself um, is is open enough so that people can critique it. Not so open that you actually um, compromise uh, uh, confidentiality or or the anonymity of respondents, but but open enough that you can understand how they arrived at that number and that indicator and could replicate it if you were doing it independently. So I'm not necessarily, you know, I don't, I don't think all the measurement needs to be done by civil society or done by an independent body. Um, but it, it should be at least open enough to be evaluated by an independent body. Mm -hmm. Well, we're just about out of time for today. Thank you so much for uh, being on the show, James. And if you would like to learn more information about the Measuring What Matters project, please visit measuringwhatmatters.ca.